Hello and welcome to On The Ledge podcast and breathe. It's Friday the 13th of March 2020 and I don't know about you but I am desperately in need of a bit of a calming release from the stressful news of the day. So here we are on the Ledge podcast is here for you today and every week as we go through this pandemic that we're all facing right now. In this week's show on the Ledge So Along part three, we'll be finding out exactly what's going on in a seed as it starts to germinate. And I'll also be bringing you updates on what everyone's been sowing. I'll be answering a question about gardening books And we meet listener Sam. A bit of housekeeping as we get underway. And the first thing to say is that there's been a small change of plan with the Chelsea Flower Show. I had announced that I was going to be interviewing James Wong. Unfortunately, James has had to make a change of plans due to other commitments that he has. He's a very busy man, as you know. So instead... I will be interviewed about houseplants by the designer Paul Harvey Brooks. So still a great talk and a very big reason to get along to the Chelsea Flower Show this year. I'm crossing everything in sight that the show goes ahead. Obviously, we don't know at the moment what the situation will be with the coronavirus. We're working on the basis at the moment that the show is happening. The RHS is going ahead. I'm going to hold off on running the competition for tickets at the moment just because things are so uncertain. I will bring you the details for the competition a little bit nearer the time. Thank you to my new Patreon subscribers this week. They are Megan, Lydia, Laura and Alyssa who all became legends and Sarah who became a crazy plant person. And if you want to find out how to unlock extra exclusive content, including more than 40 episodes of my bonus podcast, An Extra Leaf, then visit the show notes at janeperone.com. And do pop along to the Facebook group, Houseplant Fans of On The Ledge, if you need another outlet for your thoughts and desires about houseplants, because that is a great group for sharing all kinds of posts There is always somebody there to comment and put in their tuppence on the matter. So it's a great community because you're only allowed in if you answer all the questions and show that you really are a fan of the show. And best of all, there's absolutely no drama. Thanks to my wonderful moderators, Nathaniel, Amy and my assistant, Kelly. So you'll find us on Facebook as Houseplant Fans of On The Ledge. We're up to more than 1200 members now and it's growing all the time. So do come and join us. And just advance warning that I'm doing a Q&A special over Easter. So do get in touch with your queries. I will be loading them up into my query queue and getting on with as many of them as possible. So do drop me a line. As always, lots of information in there, if possible, with pictures and your location, what your plant is and what's happened to it would be fantastic. And I'll do my best to either answer it in an upcoming episode, drop you a line back personally or cover it in that special Q&A episode, which will be episode 135. But on to today's business. I thought we'd start with meet the listener this week for a change. So it's time to meet listener Sam. Hey everyone, my name is Sam Sumter and I'm very excited for you to all get to learn a little bit about me, a fellow listener. I grew up in the state of Kansas in the US and probably had my first exposure to plants gardening with my mom around the age of five. 
One thing eventually led to another, and now I find myself having recently graduated with a degree in horticulture and working as an assistant grower for a local production nursery. My love for houseplants started a few years ago and seems to be reaching a limit due to its space in my one-bedroom apartment, but I haven't let that stop me from getting more just yet. Question one. There's a fire and all your plants are about to burn. Which one do you grab as you escape? If going for sentimentality, I'd probably have to go for my variegated Schefflera that I've had for like 14 years. But if just going on pure favorites, probably going to grab my big uh, Philodendron Mexicanum. Question two. What is your favorite episode of On the Ledge? I can't remember the exact number, but I would have to say the somewhat recent episode on Lithops would be my favorite. I think they're just one of the most interesting little houseplants, and it was great to hear such a wealth of information from an expert on them. Question three. Which Latin name do you say to impress people? When talking specifically about one of my plants, I'd have to say Thematophyllum sprucianum. Question four. Crassulation, acid metabolism, or gotation? Always gotta go with crassulation, acid metabolism. Question five. Would you rather spend £200 on a variegated monster or £200 on 20 interesting cacti? Well, especially now that I'm trying to limit myself to only more wish list plants outside of plant swaps, I would definitely have to go with the variegated Monstera. And now it's time for question of the week, which comes from Lynn. She got in touch to say that she listens to On The Ledge every day on her commute to work. Thank you for your wonderful sense of humour and abundant knowledge of plants. My pleasure, Lynn. Now, Lynn says that she's heard me refer to the houseplant expert numerous times. Yes, Lynn, I do talk about it a lot. You're absolutely right. This cannot be denied. Um, And she says that she actually had this book when she was a teenager and loves it too. But she adds, are there any other houseplant books you might recommend? Great question. As you'd imagine, I have an awful lot of houseplant books. Leaning back in my chair, I can see... Well, there's at least three shelves worth of houseplant books among my many other gardening books. So it's quite difficult to narrow it down. I have managed to pull from those shelves five books other than Dr. Hesseon's good work, which I think will be great books, general books on houseplants. Some of them are current volumes. Some of them are ones from the past that you may need to get secondhand. So let's have a look at what we've got here. The first one is the RHS Practical Houseplant Book by Fran Bailey and Zia Alloway. It is really, I guess, the modern day equivalent of the Hesseon book in some respects. Lots of plant profiles of different house plants, practical advice. The thing that's mainly different, I would say, is there are quite a few little projects that you can do. So, for example, how to do a Kokodama fern, a succulent wreath, a willow climbing frame. Actually, that's a really good idea. A willow climbing frame. Yeah, I like the idea of that. I'm going to have a look at that later. So, uh, yeah, that's a a nice little frame for a Hoyer or something. 
made out of pieces of willow pole. Uh, yeah, so this is a good book. It's got lots of styling things in it as well as plant profiles. I would say that the plant profiles are a tiny bit less detailed and there isn't a lot on plant propagation and things like that. So yeah, it's still well worth a look if you want to get into uh, house plants and want a general guide. And this is published by DK. I'll put all these books in my show notes, by the way, for, for you to take a look at if you want to look there. OK, next up, this is uh, going back to the past. This book was published in 1970-something, 79, and it's called The Care of Houseplants, illustrated step by step, published by Peter Lowe. And the author is a guy called David Longman who well the picture on the inside cover he's such a dude this guy this book is probably my favorite of this pile of five that i've got here because it's got really detailed entries for each of the plants that it profiles with lovely line drawings of how to take stem cuttings how to repot uh how to spray and clean the leaves of a citrus so this is a really detailed book. Um, I think it's well worth a look if you want that sort of catch-all houseplant book. And on the cover, the lady's got a wonderful copper watering can and she's just staring up lovingly at her ficus pomilla in a macrame basket. So it's all very late 70s. But as I say, it hasn't really aged in many respects in terms of uh, the advice in there. So check that one out. OK, I'm going to move those out of the way because they're getting heavy and I've got a book by a friend of the show Alice Fowler's Plant Love so we talked about this many moons ago on the show but this book came out about two or three years ago uh, it's published by who's that publisher what does the K stand for it's published by oh Kyle Books that's right of course so Plant Love by Alice Fowler Alice you can't go wrong with Alice really because she knows her stuff as well as beautiful inspirational pictures, uh, information on Latin names and so on. So, yeah, if you love Alice Fowler, that's a, a great one to look at. Next up, we're going back to the future once more. Uh, this one is uh, What Houseplant Wear? What Houseplant Wear? by Roy Lancaster and Matthew Biggs. And this one's good if, for example, you're looking for large specimen houseplants for a big room or you're looking for houseplants with scented foliage or you're looking for houseplants with sword-like leaves because that's how this book is divided. Each section covers a different kind of uh, group of plants and it will really help you to narrow down your choices for those places but there's also growing guides for each of those plants that are mentioned and some useful illustrations. It's a really lovely book. This came out in 98 it's a Dorling Kindersley book and yeah the thing I like also is there's a nice choosing the right plants for your home section which has got detailed ideas of what to put where so yeah this book is a really nice one for those of you looking for an overall plan for your house plants in your home and finally uh, we go to the extremes of the style end of things a book called The Indoor Garden Book by the designer John Brooks. I think I've mentioned this on the show before. This has really stood the test of time, this book. It's published by Guild Publishing and it came out in 1986. 
There are a few pictures which make you realise that it's a bit dated, but overall the design aesthetic in here is wonderful, as you would expect from a designer like John Brooks. There's some wonderful pictures in here. I'm currently looking at a wonderful picture of a fireplace with an asparagus fern that's just going all over the place above this fireplace and it looks amazing and there are detailed instructions here for making a moss pole out of uh, small gauge chicken wire and moss which is actually if you were going to do, make a moss pole that's a really good way of doing it if you do actually want to add humidity to the plant because that will really work well uh, so yeah there's got they've got detailed instructions on planting up hanging baskets making water gardens uh, there's also some stuff about arranging flowers so arranging dried flowers in a basket probably not something that uh, has sort of translated well from the 1980s but there are lots of things that will translate very very nicely and if you like looking at pictures of, of rooms from the 80s boy there are some treats in here for you there's also plants arranged by different design aesthetics so trailing plants bushy plants pinks mauves and purples and some wonderful flat lays, as we call them these days, with different types of leaves and different flowers arranged so that you can check out what looks good. So this is a really fine book to get your hands on if you can, because it will give you a sense of what might go well together and some styling tips that aren't just based on the 2020 aesthetic, but uh, sort of look back at what's worked in the past as well. So that's five books there that I think are would be a great starter library for somebody who is getting into houseplants. Obviously, there are specialist books about all kinds of things. Uh, and there I've got many more books that I could tell you about on my bookshelves. But that's for another day. But Lynn, I hope for the moment that gives you an idea of the kind of things that you could be splashing out on to get your houseplant book collection started. And of course, if you don't have a copy of The Houseplant Expert by Dr. David Hesseon, check out the gold-plated edition, which is either in a red and gold or uh, red and black cover. That really is my, still my Bible and definitely worth looking out for when you're next in a charity or thrift shop. Thanks to everyone who's been in touch about the On The Ledge Sew Along. Uh, tagged a post on Twitter, Instagram or Facebook with their progress or asked a question. I'm really glad that you're all enjoying the experience of getting involved in the Sew Along. Don't worry if you haven't had any time to even get hold of seeds yet. There's plenty of time to go. If you want lots of practical advice on finding seed, choosing seed, sowing seed, then do check out the On The Ledge Sew Along page on my website. I'll put a link to it in the show notes, which includes all the previous episodes, which has got tons of great advice. And if you are writing about the Sew Along, do remember to include the hashtag OTL Sew Along with your post that will help me to spot it and therefore I'll know how you're getting along and will also be mentioning some of you in the show. I asked you to tell me about how plants were going from previous on the ledge sew alongs and on Instagram Cacti with Character posted a lovely picture of a cactus sewn last April which is adorable and cute and looks like it's doing absolutely brilliantly so well done to Cacti with Character who also sells some really lovely plant t-shirts definitely worth checking 
checking out if you like a bit of plant-themed clothing. Also on Instagram, Mossict has got some African violet seedlings that are growing really well. And this is another thing that you can grow from seed very easily. Uh, in fact, I think that Mossict has been so successful that they're not actually sure what they're going to do with all those babies. Send some my way. Why not? And the lovely It's Pamela, also on Instagram, says, I made cacti, you guys. Yeah, I'm glad you're excited, Pam. Uh, that's great to see. And on the Facebook page, Andy has been showing pictures off of his Alo Polyfilla from last year's so along. My, they do look fine, Andy. And he's going to be sowing some Willemia seeds this year, that rare Australian tree. Uh, so that'll be interesting to see how they go. Uh, who else have we got? Kyliuxkaha has got a coleus plant that they grew last year. Well done. That looks amazing. And now let's look at what people are up to with this year's sew along. Over on Twitter, Capiapoa has been growing chilies, which are getting a bit lanky and they've run out of propagator space. So the bathroom will have to do. Oh, I do love growing chilies. I must sow mine soon because uh, that's one of my fave, fave things to grow. If you're still looking at chili seeds, I really like the variety Trifetti, which is only going to get to about 40 centimetres tall and has amazing green, white and purple variegated leaves as well as purple fruits. Capiapoa is also growing cactus and succulent seed from the BCSS. Well done, you. And Stonecrop 3 has sown chili plants, Astrophyta mysterious, Super Kabuto and Euphorbia obesa for the sow along. While South Sea Jungle has been bringing on some oxalis bulbs. Yes, we're not sticklers here. If you want to plant some little oxalis bulblets, that's absolutely fine. I have just recently planted some oxalis corymbosa aurea reticulata bulblets, which are the shamrock that has the amazing network of golden veins. I am so excited about that one. No sign of growth yet, but I'm hoping that the heat map they're on will prompt them into life. I'll post a picture of those in the show notes so you can see what I'm talking about. And Five Green Fingers on Twitter is growing coleus. Excellent. He lasted it when he was 10. <laughs> Alistair, I'm sure you will do absolutely fine and all the memories will come flooding back. Ashley is looking for advice on houseplants she can sow that aren't cacti or succulents. Oh, and she doesn't like palms. Well, actually, if you are into coleus, I'd say they're a really good choice. Also, the gesneriads, there are loads of different gesneriad family members that you could sow from African violets, as we've already seen, to streptocarpus, to syningias. The seed of those is pretty freely available, or you can join the gesneriad society scheme. And these plants are, are pretty tough and don't need particularly great light levels so they make great indoor plants you can also grow air plants from seed and unusualseeds.net does have some of these in stock at the moment they've got various tillandsia species available for, by seed you could also try plectranthus which is often grown as a house plant as well as being an outside bedding plant during the summer and i've noticed that Seedman.com has seed for the griffin begonia, which is a really beautiful plant. Seedman.com is also the place to go for seed of various asparagus ferns, which they have in abundance. 
I was also very excited to read Jessie's post on the Facebook group. She's found a flower on her Chlorophytum amaniense that's got a bunch of seeds on it. So she's planted them up and within two weeks, she's got some growth after putting that on a seed pad. So that's really wonderful. It just shows you that you don't necessarily have to buy seed. If one of your plant produces a seed pod, it's always worth potting that up. It may not work. Uh, you may not get anything viable, but it's certainly worth giving it a go. You really do have nothing to lose. Also on the Facebook group, Emily, who we heard in last week's episodes, Meet the Listener, has got her Echeveria seeds in. She's growing Echeveria agavoides Romeo Rubin and Echeveria hyalina, and she's got a grow light to make sure they get plenty of light. Well, that sounds fantastic, and it's really great to hear from listeners about everything that you're getting up to for the sew along. So do remember, add that hashtag, and if I possibly can, I'll give you a shout out in the show. So now we're up to date with all your sproutings. Let's have a little chat about seeds. I hope this doesn't end up feeling like too much of a botany lesson, but I think it's really interesting to delve into what exactly is going on inside our seeds before, during and after germination. One of the first things you can observe about your seed is whether it's orthodox or recalcitrant. Recalcitrant seeds are generally the kind of things that need to be sowed really fresh in order for them to germinate. In other words, once they start drying out, they tend to lose viability pretty swiftly. Whereas orthodox seeds, these are the ones that are programmed to dry out and then wait until conditions are right to germinate. So, for example, the avocado seed, which we know all about from growing them in our previous On The Ledge episode, is recalcitrant. If you leave that seed to dry out, it's not going to do very well. So that's why we use the technique of taking the stone out of the fruit and getting it sown as soon as possible. And orthodox seeds, by their nature, can be sown long after they've been collected. So generally, these are the easier ones to deal with. Cacti fit into the orthodox category, as do many of the other houseplants that we might grow, like gesneriads. A lot of the aroids tend to be recalcitrant. And there are also some seeds that are kind of intermediate, somewhere in the middle. So as we always say, check your seed packet to see whether your seed need to be sown straight away. But before we go any further, there is one fundamental thing we haven't actually established yet. What actually is a seed? It's a good question to ask. Well, it's a package, a survival package for a plant that contains everything it needs from the DNA that makes the new plant to the protein and starch that feeds its development once the right conditions are met. It's a kind of propagule, which just means any bit of plant that's used for making new plants. Uh, if you're talking about asexual reproduction, then that would be something like a stem cutting or a leaf cutting. If you're talking about sexual reproduction as we are here, it's a seed or in the case of ferns, as we found out the other week, a spore. And if you take a cross section of most seeds, you'll find they come in three parts. You've got the seed coat, the outside bit. The technical name for this is the tester. Then you've got the embryo and then you've got the source of nutrients and food, the endosperm. And there's something called the micropile in the tester or seed coat. This is the, the weak spot, the Achilles heel of that seed coat, which is the point where moisture will be allowed in to get that seed going inside. And once the seeds germinated and that embryo starts to grow, and that's what turns into the seed leaves or cotyledon, the root, 
and the stem of the plant. As you'll know, if you have bought a few different packets of seed and opened them up, seeds can vary massively in how they look. And that's because they're adapted differently for different kinds of dispersion. So, for example, something like the avocado seed, as we discovered in the avocado episode, well, that was designed for the giant sloth to munch on and then pass out of its system in its poop and germinate from there. So it's held within a delicious fleshy fruit. Tiny little seeds with parachutes, well, they're usually ones that are spread by wind, whereas some seeds are designed to float on water, like the coconut. And if you're interested in seeing the sheer diversity of the world of seeds, there's a very good book called The Book of Seeds, a life-size guide to 600 species from around the world. This is a book that's well worth a look. If you like looking at crazy seeds, there are some beauties in here. And it also has information about all kinds of seed-related issues. And I have to say that the most unusual looking seed in this book has to be the seed of Sterilitia reginae, the bird of paradise flower, which is a black oval with this incredible aril at the top. So this is the appendage which attracts spreaders of seed, dispersers of seed, such as birds, to pick up the seed. Um, I mean, this is like an orange mop of hair, an incredible orange wig on the top of this black seed. It looks amazing, so definitely worth getting hold of some bird of paradise seed if you can. Worth noting with this seed, it's got a really hard casing which is designed to withstand passing through the bird's gut, so it's most definitely in the orthodox category. In other words, it's tolerant of being dried out. So it could be a while before your seed germinates and it's definitely beneficial to soak this one before sowing because that way the seed is kick-started into life. Sometimes people also use a technique of giving the seed a little bit of a scrub with a bit of sandpaper, just as you do for sweet pea seeds in the garden, which also helps to break down that very tough seed coat or tester and get things moving on the sprouting front. Of course, there's much more to seeds than I've been able to squeeze into this episode. If you want to get really down and dirty with seed germination, do check out the orchids, which have these incredible associations with mycorrhizal fungi and they have this amazing symbiotic relationship with them and seem to need this mycorrhizal fungi in order to germinate. If you are interested in this, I shall post in the show notes a really interesting article from the Kew Gardens website, which explains how this works. Basically, orchid seeds don't have the food supplies that other seeds have, so they have to hook up with some kind of mycorrhizal fungus that then provides it with food as it emerges from the seed. Fascinating stuff. So do go and check that out. Well, I hope that gives you a new insight into the minute world of your seeds as you're sowing them this spring. And please, please, please do avoid the mistake I make every single year, which is label your seeds properly. Even though you are absolutely 100% sure that you're going to remember what seed you put into what pot or tray, trust me, you won't. In less than 24 hours, you'll have completely forgotten and you'll have these mystery trays and not sure what is what. So do label carefully. So happy sewing this week and keep me posted on everything you're up to. Hashtag OTL Sew Along and we'll be back next Friday when I'll be interviewing the founders of the wonderful plant community Urban Jungle about their new book, Plant Tribe. Can't wait. Bye.
music you heard in this episode was Roll Jordan Roll by The Joy Drops and I Snossed, I Lost by Dr Turtle. Both tracks are licensed under Creative Commons. See janeperone.com for details. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.